When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcast. Now part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Fresca, and welcome back to our podcast. Tommy, I feel like you've been asking me to do this one for a long time. Well, it's a fun one, right? There's a lot of like misconceptions out there. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about one of the most dominant of all Greek city-states that's really remembered for their athleticism, their military values, the 300, uh, uh, right? A movie. <laughs> a movie, yeah. So we're, we're going to talk about, you know, Sparta. I remember you always said, you know, when I taught this in class, you had to actually like scream out that it was really big. I remember, you know, when that 300 movie came out. Oh, yeah. Like probably a long time ago at this point. Oh, it probably wow. was. And it was, I remember everyone was it like, was, this is Sparta. Yeah. And that yeah, was the yeah. whole point, yeah. So, yeah. 2006, Tommy. 2006. Oof, ouch. It's almost <laughs> four years ago. Oh, yeah. But it, it was a big deal when it happened. Yeah, so we'll be looking a little bit at, like, you know, the Spartan life, the Spartan advantages, how they changed Greece. Um, they always used to, I remember when we were in, I don't remember learning about this Sparta a little bit when I was in, like, maybe middle school or whatever, and they talked about it more like, oh, Athens is like the U.S. and Sparta was like the USSR, right? With it. But, like, really look at it, no, not really. You know, that was, that's, I thought, really a good comparison. Plus, as a kid, you don't want to know that because if you did your own research later, a little bit later on, you found out that, like, well, Sparta beat Athens in a war. So does that mean that the USSR was going to beat the United States? Like, I, that was kind of freaked me out, too, when I was, like, a kid. I think that comparison was very good, but that's kind of like, you know, that Cold War politics, I guess, from back in the day. But that's a whole other thing. It's a whole other thing. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk a little bit about Sparta, some of the, you know, separate some of the, the history from the Hollywood, obviously. It'll be fun. Yeah. Like I mean, just so everyone knows, like Sparta was located in the southern part of Greece, the area is known as the Peloponnese, uh, Peloponnese right? This actual stretch of land, it seems if you look at a map, it looks like it's like nearly cut off from the rest of Greece, which kind of makes sense by like the gulf there. But uh, while other city states founded colonies abroad, uh, Sparta very much kind of stayed to itself and didn't really go any further than the fertile lands of neighboring Messenia. And this plays a large role in the history of Sparta, really, because about 725 BC, the Spartans conquered the Messenians and took over all their land, right? But they don't absorb their population. Like they, no. they, well, they do absorb the population, but they don't integrate them into society. No, they take really, them in as slaves, basically. They're like, they're like, you're our slaves, you're helots now, and you're going to farm for us. And because you're farming and doing all the, that labor, producing food for us, that's when the Spartans, because of King Lycurgus, right? He's the one mm-hmm. that put into place where basically to the main Spartans, right? The highest of the social classes, their job is strictly to train and to get physically strong and to be militaristic so they could defend themselves really against the helots because they were always afraid of a helot uprising because there are so many more helots than there were uh, pure blood Spartans. Literally. Actually, so this is the interesting thing. They wind up taking the, uh, these helots, they enslaved them, right? And each year, the Spartans demanded half of the Messinians or the Helots' uh, yearly crops, right? 
But around 600 BC, the Mycenaeans basically outnumbered the Spartans eight to one. Like you said, they outnumbered it. Like eight to one is huge. So now your slaves outnumber you eight to one, which is a problem, right? So around 600 BC, you have the Helots actually have like their first semi-quasi-successful uprising against the Spartans. Obviously, the Spartans win. Um, they could squash this revolt. However, from that point forward, Spartans basically made sure that they were always in a militaristic state so they could ensure that their really high population of slaves was kept in check. And actually what it was, like one like one phalanx, we'll get to that in a few minutes, one phalanx of Spartans was equal to, you know, 10 times that number, which is what yeah. we'll look at when we get to like the Persian War and stuff like that and even the Peloponnesian War. Because they were just, that's all they did. You have to understand, you'll see like, you know, how does some of these athletes or some of these get so good, right? Or some of these celebrities get so like in shape. It's because that's all they do. That's all they, that's literally all they do is train. And that's what they're doing here from the age of seven. Yeah. Right. They, the boys leave home. I guess we can get into this now, right? They, they well, start. Do you want to start with the, the a seven? Cause did you see the babies? What happens to the babies? Well, yeah, yeah. That well, I saw was kind of. Eh. It's yeah. So like, it might've happened, but it wasn't like policy. But yeah, yes. go ahead, go ahead. Because the Spartans concluded like the only way to survive was to make their city state overwhelmingly strong, right? After 600 BC, they adopted a harsh set of laws, and it was known as the Code of Lycurgus. 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 Right? That's like their king, right? You uh, have to understand, too, and I'm trying to interrupt you there, Peter. We go. But the, the Spartans have two kings, right? And they believe that their Always. kings in themselves are descendants from Hercules. Yes. So that's their mindset. Everyone know you know, you, you know, people know who Hercules is, right? Zero to hero. Yay. All right. That's another thing I was interested in. They always had two kings because they were always ready to go fight and be warriors. So the the idea was that by having two kings, one the king is needed to lead the army. So one king will go and lead the army to conquer whatever lands they need to. Meanwhile, the other king at that time would stay back and rule. That's why you always had two kings. kings, So that way a king could be there to fight and a king could be there to rule. And they could never do anything against the other. Like they could never like say anything negative about the other one. That was like part of kind of like that was like the rule. So go and like, you know, kind of get into what you said about the the children, because this is very important as the war state. So what we mentioned before, and you you said this has kind of been disproven or not, we really don't know. But what basically ends up happening is the infants, when the infant was born, they were brought in before this council of like inspectors and this council examined uh, any physical defects of babies. I mean, these are infants. So like, you don't know what they're going to grow up like. Right. And basically if they decided like based on measurements and whatnot, that like a baby was not up to standards, they were supposedly left to die. And again, this is, they were called ill born. Right. Yeah. And so they were bow legged and stuff like that. Exactly. And some people, uh, even like early writings try to say that they were like, tossed into this this mount for the gods or something but now they we kind of know that's probably a myth yeah. likely well, though the spartan babies were just left behind if you were unfit for future duty as a soldier you were highly likely just abandoned in the wild yeah they left said a lot of times they could have been abandoned which they said you know probably did happen whether it was all the time but they, they their mindset was it takes so much resources right and so much time to make a true spartan soldier that they're not going to waste that time on someone who physically can't do it but what they think really happened is that most of them were probably adopted by other city states nearby yes like from, uh, from if doing that once they were left alone yeah once they yeah were left, those, you know, it was it, it was only abandoned and left that they knew someone was going to come i don't know what happened to the kids after that some of them but there were some runnings of you know yes you were born in sparta but they were raised in this city state because of this that it's a lot of times and sometimes the families would just leave the mothers because they had that bond even though they were different it's still like you know genetic almost Crazy, you know, that motherly yeah. bond and they were like well i'm not leaving my child 
you know. So, well, did you see like as babies, right? So Spartan infants, they said were often bathed in wine instead of yeah. water. Yeah. I mean, I assume like I mean, obviously, it doesn't seem like it's a right thing to do. I don't know. This is like that make the well, they want they, they almost wanted to because it would sting too a lot of times, like the you know the alcohol and stuff, particularly like in the eyes. And the idea was just to get them used. They life in Sparta was not supposed to be comfortable because remember you're supposed to you're going to be fighting. You might be in the cold. You might be in the hot. You're going to be wearing the armor. It's heavy. So comfort fluff, was not, fluff, was not man. something you something they you wanted to be. So. They go from like I said, if you were Athens, and then you get drafted into army with something you know conscripted, and you have to go fight. But you were like a philosopher before this, you know how really are you going to be ready to fight? And then you're going to remember what life was like before this. And in Sparta, if things get tough, it might actually be better. Being at war might actually be better than in Sparta. They, even the boys, they all oh, the soldiers, they had to wear like those like. Um, like yeah, sacks. so get into like, the boys, right? So yeah. after basically after their babies, they're not allowed to cry, they're ignored, all that good stuff, bathed in wine. Okay, and you got into this before. At the age of seven, they're removed from their parents' homes, right? Yeah, and brought like into this like training regiment. So what's going on there? Yeah, so, yeah, so you get put into this like, training regiment known as the Agoji. And yeah, before they had lived a pretty like normal, typical Greek lifestyle. Like mm-hmm. so, you know, they were taught, you know, certain to read and stuff like that. And education was important and respecting elders was big. But once you go to the, the Agoji or this academy, they live community with others in their same age group. And this was 30. meant to, yeah, the, yeah, the to 30. 30. Yeah. And 30 is when they could finally leave and marry. You could marry before that, but you were not allowed to live with your wife until 30. They were in the army then until they were 60. You're in the army until you die or you're 60. And they were trained um, as hoplites. And there, it was during this time that they were also like, it was encouraged to get in fights. And they were encouraged to, they would never give them enough food. And the whole idea was if you want more food, go steal it. And that was encouraged. It was encouraged to go steal food, steal what you need. Just don't, but get, don't caught. get caught. Yeah. If you got caught, you're going <laughs> to you get beaten. You got beaten because you were yeah. stealing. So you yeah. can steal whatever you want. Just don't get caught doing it. That, that well, because like they're trying to teach you, like if you're out, yeah, if you're out in the wild, if you are fighting at war, you gotta you gotta fend for yourself. So it's almost yeah. like fend for yourself here. But if you get caught, that means you screwed up. So we're gonna beat yeah. you. Or teach, yeah, because the idea is that deter- that beating is gonna teach you how to get better next time. And apparently, there were like older, you know, like thirty year old men were like instigate fights between like you know ten year old boys. Yeah, just have to be. Yeah. They were never. They didn't want them killing each other. Like that. That was. It wasn't battle to the deaths. They would stop it before something like that happened, or be probably get beaten severely if you did kill someone. Because now you're killing a you know potential Spartan soldier. The whole idea is just to have the cream of the crop rise, but just again to make them tough. And this is you know. Did you I, see they would actually have the kids uh, take the kids out, and they would bring Spartan girls and like have them participate in like the hazing aspect. Like yeah. they'd be like bring the girls out, and the girls would pick out what they thought was like not strong enough or bad in the physique of these boys and like laugh at them. The point was to like laugh at these boys while the boys were standing there mostly naked. I mean, at the yeah, age of 12, yeah. yeah, at the age of 12, they were literally, they were, they were all they were given, all the clothing is taken away. They're given a red cloak and they're forced to sleep outside. Like get ready for a life yeah. in the field. You're if, you want, if you want more cloaks, if you want something, go steal it. Just don't get caught. Like that's yeah. like the same thing. If you bring that up because the females were treated very differently than like any other really city state. Because only Spartan women could ra- could raise and produce Spartan men, so they were allowed to own property. They were allowed to do a lot of things. They were allowed to go to school, read and write, be physically. They were also encouraged to be physically strong and physically fit. They wouldn't go to war, but they pretty much had that. And they they said there was a lot even... of track and field stuff. They did through javelin. They basically did all yeah, kinds they, of they, events they, to they showcase have... their strength too. Yeah, because it, that, that's what was valued. Was like because you take you know a Spartan woman. And you take a Spartan man, you know, and they're both like, you know, these ripped giant, you know, 
have babies, the idea is they're going to have these super babies too and produce more Spartans. So that's really, uh, you know, the idea behind all of this. That's and, not... and the Spartans are known for this, right? Because they're preparing and they're fighting as hoplites. That's what they're called. And it's basically you have these shields, these circular shields with a large um, spear. And you're going to go shoulder to shoulder. Each person in the phalanx is covering the other person. And they would just kind of ram into, that's how the Greeks fought. They would ran, run into like another phalanx. Just kind of push each other, try to get you with the spears until one phalanx broke. And then the phalanx would advance and fight with the swords. Spartans were the best at this because they were so physically fit, because they trained all the time with it. They were just known throughout Greece, even early on. It's like, all right, there's not a lot of Spartans, but no one's going to mess with Sparta. They kind of, like you said before, Pete, they just kind of kept it themselves. They're like, Sparta, we have a good thing. No one's going to mess with us because we're so powerful, right? Because we know what we're doing. We have the, the helots, excuse me. Every, oh. once in a while, every once in a while, every year, we're just going to wage war on the helots to make sure there's not too many of them. You know? But this and is they, the crazy thing. They like they enslaved the population and then basically created a way of life to ensure that they could continue living that same way of life yeah. of enslaving that population. Because yeah. the, the fact that they preoccupied, their entire society is preoccupied with the study of warfare, right? Sparta's manufacturing, agriculture, all that other stuff, anything that's not war-related is left entirely to these lower classes. You basically had like non-citizens. They were like the laborers, traders, and craftsmen. They lived in surrounding region, like Laconia, I think. But all like the agriculture, food production, all of like the, the crappy stuff that you needed to live was left to the enslaved helots. It is ironically the constant fear of these helots and their revolts and uprising that is the reason why the Spartan elite becomes so devoted, right, to this strong military and like building this big army. It's kind of like a vicious cycle in a sense. But if you're a male in Sparta, you have no choice. You have to go into the military and you would stay there, as you said, from the age of seven until the age of 60 is when you were not even retired. You were pushed or put on reserve duty. It's like, wow, okay. Like, you never retire from being a soldier. Probably the most well-known of the soldiers that, you know, go into battle, right? Not an individual soldier, but like the event is probably the Battle of Thermopylae, right? Which is yeah. takes place during the um, Second Persian War when the Persian king Xerxes, actually Xerxes II, right, invades Greece. And it's during this invasion in 480 BC where the Greeks actually come together. Uh, Sparta actually joins forces with their rival, let's say, which is Athens. Yes. They decide, they decide that we're, we're going to join forces. We have, I mean, it's all the Greek city-states are doing this. And Athens agrees, all right, well, the land army has to be led by the Spartans. It doesn't make sense for anyone else to lead it. And all the other mm -hmm. city-states are actually kind of pumped up about this, right? If you read a Herodotus talks about this, right, Pete? And some of the... Yeah. The early historical primary sources are Peloponnesian and um, Persian Wars, Herodotus. And he's talking about big, the other city-states, like Thebes and stuff, they're like, they're pumped for this. Like, we get to fight with the Spartans. This is kind of like, you know, you're playing basketball with Michael Jordan here. You know, that, that's what they're, they're pumped up about. Yeah. The only problem is the Spartan Council says no, because it's during a, it's during a Spartan holiday, religious holiday. So they say, no, we cannot allow... We're not going to allow the Spartan army to march. And really, the real reason is because they're afraid if the Spartan army leaves, that the helots are going to revolt and take over Sparta. So that's like the yeah. real fear. So they just say, we can't do this. But Leonidas, which is um, played by what Gerard Butler, I believe his name is in the movie. Yeah, he does not uh, look like he does not look like what he used to look like. 
I mean, oh, I guess so, like you said, age. 20 years ago, and I think that whole thing was like computer graphics too. Who knows? Yeah. But um, his Although, whole no, thing... no, I've read like in a Mendoza Men's yeah, she... like health magazine, like, like, like yeah, to, so get, to have those abs, they were literally told like before every shoot, it was like or shot was taken, they were like, all right, now do like drop down, do 25 push-ups. They would wake up that morning and basically deprive themselves of water to seem dehydrated. So that way, they, like they don't look, feel bloated. It was like... Again, it wasn't Sparta. Like, let's get flogged. But I mean, yeah, to it, be was the intense, movie, yeah. it was intense. Yeah, it was pretty intense. intense. Except they're getting paid millions of dollars to do it, and then yeah, the Spartans, yeah, yeah Spartans are doing it for glory. Yeah. But anyway, um, so Leonidas decides to he's going to take his army anyway. Uh, supposedly, he goes to the Oracle at Delphi. If you know like Greek mythology, the Oracle yeah. at Delphi. Now that some are saying there's like there was probably natural gas leaking from the ground. That's why the oracles were acting like the way they did, but who knows? And she said, you know, Greece will win, but Sparta will lose a king. So Leonidas takes that as, you know, him that he's not going to survive, but he says, I'm still going to take these 300 Spartans as his royal bodyguard. And they're going to go uh, with other Greeks. And they're going to the best place to defend is this small place known as Demopoli, where they can actually, there's a small opening with a small mountain pass where they can stop the, Xerxes advanced piece. The Persian army at this point is huge, and they outnumber the Greeks ten to one. But the whole point is that this narrower path, you know, that those numbers mean nothing because only so many can come in at a time. And the Greeks are just going to be there with their phalanx, and they're just going to block, 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 and just not let the um, Persians get through. And it doesn't matter if the Persians have a hundred thousand soldiers, if only a couple hundred come in at a time, the Spartans and the other Greeks feel like, well, we can definitely do this. So, coming up on 5-Minute News. I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily. Spartan women, we get back to that, they always have this saying, supposedly this is what Leonidas' wife tells him, but a lot of the other 300 that were going is you come back with your shield or on it, which yep. basically means you come back carrying your shield or you come back dead on your shield. And a Spartan man's reply to that is always going to be, um, if I die, all right, find a strong Spartan man and have many babies. Because if I die, my, you know, we have to replace the soldier's death with new Spartans, new blood. So that's how it basically goes. They march over to Demopoli. Xerxes not like how he is in the movie. Yeah, 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 right? like that. All right, so that's a whole different, yeah, no, no, that's not, it's not that whole thing. But he is considered like a god king and stuff like that. Um, Xerxes' father, Xerxes' father Darius tried to invade Greece earlier on in the first Persian War. He, they, they, they get stopped, but it was a much smaller, um, smaller conflict. This one's a bit larger. And also, that people um, believe that this battle just ends everything. It doesn't. There's no, other battles. No, no, this is this is like a open. This is the beginning. Exactly. And this, battle, and this battle is a defeat actually for the Spartans. It's it's actually yep. a huge military defeat when you think about it. But uh, it it becomes larger than life in Western culture. Uh, yes. Like they, they, we did a one years ago on the Alamo, right? The whole point of the Alamo right, yeah. uh, was that the Alamo didn't fall, right? They never surrendered. And this is really where that idea of like, you don't surrender, you fight to the last man. That's where this comes from in Western culture is from the Battle of Thermopylae. And there's a whole bunch of these things. I mean, one, and it's in the movie, but Herodotus writes about it too. Xerxes 
then the Persians, they don't want to fight anybody if they don't have to. They're hoping he's like, you know, just join us, riches, right? Largest empire in the world yeah. at the time. Just join us and you're fine. So they, they offer that to Leonidas and he's, he declines. They offer that to the Spartans. They decline. And then one of Xerxes' men supposedly, like, emissary supposedly says you know we have so many arrows that are we that we're going to block out the sun i think they say that in the movie but i remember hearing this yeah. in like middle school remember reading it and the spartan reply which is very like like it western right they think it's like a john wayne or it's america right i remember just thinking about it now again, like, some of our listeners are like who's yeah. john wayne yeah well you know like those old western movies and stuff yeah. But the idea, or even like, you know, something that like Vin Diesel would say in the Fast and okay. Furious movies. Okay, now, now we're so talking. We're going to shoot so many arrows, they're going to block out the sun. And the Spartans' reply is just, great, we get to fight in the shade. Yeah. Like that's, that, that's pretty bad. That's pretty badass. Like, you have to say, whether that happened or not, who knows, but that's what they say. And they battle, and yeah, every wave that comes in gets, gets killed. And the Greeks are not losing a lot of soldiers during this. So then Xerxes sends in his elites, which are known as the Immortals, because they there's, they, they're so great, they can't be killed, right? Yeah. And they fight the Spartans, and the Spartans like this. They're like, all right, great. They, they, you know, they, they've heard of the Immortals, right? And, and Leonidas supposedly says, you know, we're going to put that name to the test. So they fight, and the Spartans, like, wipe the floors with them. The Persians, their shields are not made out of metal, or they're not as strong as the Greeks as, as, as the Greek metal, um, their spears are not as long, right? It's the tactics. It's the, you know, it's where they are in the hot gates and everything like that, which today, if you go to Greece, they're underwater, you know, climate change yeah. from thousands of years ago. So if someone says, oh yeah, we're going to take you to the hot gates, unless you're putting on scuba gear, you're not going to the actual hot gates. It's not where Leonidas stood, right? Yeah. Um, so anyway, so basically that battle keeps on happening and the, the Spartans probably could have won. Who knows? But the reason they lose is there is a Greek actually betrays them. His name is Ephiardes, which in Greek translates into nightmare. That's where it becomes because it yeah. caused this nightmare because the Persians were trying to take over Greece. And he basically um, led them to a goat path, which allowed them to encircle and come through around the hot gates and come behind the Greeks. The Greeks learn of this. And then a tactical retreat. Leonidas says, "All right, all the Greek army is well, going to." This is escape. where you have your three hundred. Yeah, last this is where you get to three hundred. Yeah, they do the last stand. Is that he's going to stay with the three hundred Spartans and yeah. defend the retreat of the bulk of the Greek army, so the Greek army can retreat and then be prepared to fight another day, which they will do later on. And they win when they win. But and whole point is the Leonidas and the three hundred Spartans fight. They are eventually all killed. Leonidas, I believe he is beheaded and ripped apart. Xerxes is not happy with Leonidas because he's like, he killed so many of his men and everything. So he winds up beheading him. It's not till like hundreds of years later until his remains are returned to Greece, but they believe that they are there. Now there's a statue of Leonidas in present day Sparta in Greece now. Um, and he becomes kind of this larger than life figure. It's really Western culture, right? The fact that the last stand, you fight to the last man, you know, even if you know you're not going to win, you never surrender. So the, and that's really how the three hundred Spartans became famous. Yeah, you know, a thing. But a so, thing. but the next battle was Plataea. Plataea, yeah, and that's Plataea. the one where I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh, go. I'm getting excited with this stuff. No, it's but good stuff. Go, go. Leonidas, not that he wanted to die, but he knew if he died, now Sparta goes to war because a king was killed, and that was part mm -hmm. of like their like thing. So he's like, "Go ahead, kill me." He's now the whole Spartan army, ten thousand strong, is going to be unleashed. And that's what happens in uh, Plataea. I think they showed the end of that battle, too, in uh, 300, the first one. Yeah, I remember. It's been so long. They made oh, a Plataea. sequel. Too. Did they make a sequel? No. Yeah, they made a sequel. 
Oh, like I'm not going to watch it. It made a sequel. And they oh. talk about Leonidas in it, but it's more Athens. It's more yeah. Athens. Well, because at Battle of Plataea, basically what ends up happening, the Greek-Persian War ends. The Persians are beaten. It's it Xerxes leaves. Yeah, Xerxes leaves. It, it lasts for a, a couple of years after that, but Xerxes yeah. leaves. He's like, whatever, I got other stuff to do. Exactly. It's it's a decisive Greek victory. But then what happens after that is that same <laughs> year, you have a united Greek fleet under another Spartan king, like ones up winning against um, Persians. So basically, even though the movie 300 makes it seem like it just kind of ends and the Spartans lose, no, like the major Spartans still continue here and they still continue fighting along with their... Yeah, the Greeks, yeah, particularly the Greeks, Athens. The Athens and Athenians. And, and this is also where it kind of starts to slowly develop this, like, you know, we're, they're fighting together because it's the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of deal. But once the Persians leave, you now have that clashing of these two major empires well, in that because, region. And because they're both superpowers, too. Exactly. That's, that's why, that's why people compare it to like the Soviet Union and the United States. But then you have in 464 BC, you have the Spartan earthquake. I'm sure you saw this. Mm-hmm. So Sparta has this earthquake in 464 BC that destroys apparently much of Sparta. And historians now believe that the death toll might have been like, like 20,000 Spartans. Again, some people believe that might be an exaggeration. Some people don't. But they said that this earthquake winds up sparking a massive revolt by the helots, you know, the slave class, right? And then the events got so out of hand that Athens actually has to send in troops to help Sparta against this particular revolt of these helots. And then they wind up controlling the revolt, and then the Athenians leave. But once they leave, this relief expedition leaves, they kind of feel like they were slighted a little bit. And it's almost like, you know, Spartans didn't thank us enough. Like, we basically, like, just saved them. Um, and from yeah. that point forward, the Athenian like people in ruling in the democracy are very much like we don't really like Spartans. Like I mean, well, it, it wasn't even yeah, a, it wasn't even just Spartan. like Sparta. Yeah, they don't like Sparta, but they also get more. Athens becomes very powerful yeah. too. After Sparta just kind of all right, it's over. We're going back to our ways, and they're going to say stuff. But they're also again they're worried with the hell if they had that earthquake. They're not they're not getting involved quite as much. And then Athens actually starts to demand tribute from other city-states to be like, well, we're going to protect you. We need to build a big navy so that we can protect you from the Persians or any other threats. And at first, right, this Athenian League is what it becomes known as. People are like, yeah, okay, makes sense. But then they kind of like, well, if you're not paying enough tribute, we're going to come and invade you and take it. Yeah. So that starts to happen. So then you have the Athenian League, and then Sparta creates their version, the um, Arcadian League, right? This yeah. confederation, and that's kind of like Warsaw Pact and NATO. You can make that argument, right? So yeah. again, I guess when you're seeing this, and then they're kind of just going back and forth at each other, a lot of war of words, and then it becomes an actual war, and they they, they go to war just twenty years really after um, the Persian the War. Of, yeah, of- you have the Peloponnesian War, which lasts for a long time. And I'm we're not going to, I guess we're not going to go too much. Detail yeah, that would be like it. another podcast. There's, there's, two, another podcast. there's more than one. There's more, there's than, more one. than one. But eventually they're, they're long wars. They last a long time. And over time, basically from plague, Athens gets affected with a really bad plague at one point. Sparta wins. Sparta beats Athens in the Peloponnesian War. So Sparta now controls the Athenian Empire. But the problem is Sparta doesn't have the know-how that like, take over all of Greece, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. because they can't force their way of life on... If you want brought up in Sparta, you have no interest in the Spartan way of life, right? Yeah. The whole, like, you know, pain, suffering. They don't have, like, want, they don't have, like, you know, things, really. Other parts of Greece was much more into it. Spartan was known for its music, but they, no one was else was allowed to play their music because if you did, they would kill you. They were very, like, 
It's our music. But it's also when Persia gets involved, uh, right? Well, Persia will actually come back. Well, Athens, I think Sparta actually gets help from Persia to fight Athens at one point. They get like a fleet. Yeah, yeah, yeah they had like a lot of the... shortcomings of the sea. I saw that. Well, but, you know, they weren't, they, that wasn't their thing. They were land and Sparta was in Athens. Sparta was land, Athens was sea. So they needed, they needed the, the help doing, being like, you know, a naval power. And they got that from Persia. And that's one reason how they were eventually able to beat Athens is by teaming up with Persia. But yeah, but they do eventually beat Athens, but they couldn't get people to adopt into that system, obviously. So Sparta kind of just fades from there pretty pretty quickly. Now there's a there's a lot of stuff with Rome. When Rome's going to come in, they get conquered by Macedonia with King um, King Philip, right? Yep. With the father of Alexander the Great. So that's involved in this. But from what I read too, like Sparta kind of hangs on for a long time. Fourth century BC, it's like yeah. Sparta time. They're basically after conquering Athens, it very much results in like a Spartan peace. Yeah, they become kind of known as like, um, I remember our professor in college used to call it like a, a tourist attraction. Like people would go there and they just go and see how the Spartans lived. Because they would still, there's still people who did that, but it was on that larger scale. They would say, I guess I could almost compare it. I'm not dissing this at all. It's like the Amish, you know how like, you have like Amish country. Yeah, yeah. And you can go there. You can go, oh, yeah, they're raising a barn and stuff like that. Like it's those sorts of things like, let's go see what the Spartans are doing today. You know, like, uh, let's go watch them train. And that's kind of what they kind of became, which is weird. And it happened pretty quick. And I'm we're glossing over it. A lot of smaller things happened before yeah. this. But they just couldn't think about it. They beat the biggest power there in Greece with Athens. They beat them. And then they're just like, all right, it was kind of over. Now, now what? They had no plans. Their whole thing was just like, we have to beat them. But they had no plans of like what to do after they, after they beat them. What ends up happening? You have a massive decline in the population. Well, people just, don't want to do it anymore. Because yeah. now they're seeing what else is out there. So think about these kids, right? You can fight each other and train and get made fun of and get beaten, right? And be cold and starving. Or you can go and have all this, you know, wealth, riches and music and pot, you know, it's... Well, essentially also war casualties. They've been at war mm-hmm. for like centuries. So what's up happening, researchers now basically believe that it was the war casualties over like 100 year period that really wiped them out, including that earthquake and the war that, you know, war that follows the Peloponnesian Wars. And then at a certain point, you wind up having just a decline is goes as quickly as like 50% over 50 years, right? It just, it literally just wipes them out. It almost like through generations, the younger generations wind up losing the core values and beliefs of the prior generations, which I think we, we see this in any civilization. I mean, we're, oh, yeah, we're seeing absolutely. this now. I mean, remember they, trying to hold a flashlight for your father when you were younger versus, you know, our kids. Yeah, so cool, yeah. that's why you can never say anything that's going to hurt my feelings. <laughs> that's right. They eventually conquered by King Philip. Yeah. And then it just kind of fade away. And you still probably have people who are Spartans who go that way of life, but it's not a large enough number to really yeah. be anything anymore. When Philip eventually creates the League of the Greeks... Because he wants to unify the Greece Greeks, against Persia. Yeah. The Spartans choose not to join because they're like, if anyone's unifying the Greeks, this pan-Greek expedition against Persia, it only could be Sparta. And if Sparta's not yeah. doing it, we're not joining. Yeah, because they and, were the first ones to do it. I mean, yeah. They won the Peloponnesian War. They unified the Greeks. Basically, to sum it up, Sparta ended because of a few things. One, loss of military supremacy, right? Strength was built upon its formidable military prowess and like this famed Spartan warriors. As Greek world evolved itself, warfare that Sparta excelled in became just res- less relevant, right? More yeah. flexible, versatile military tactics, use of mercenaries, also use of the seas, right? And the waterways, that kind of takes away the military supremacy. Then you have population decline, which we talked about. So the, the social structure 
which emphasized military training and all that stuff, basically discouraged engagement in economic activities because of this, right? Because everyone's training. But this led to a decline in population. Because of this decline in population, you have Spartan citizens who were the backbone of the military and society became increasingly outnumbered by the non-citizens groups, which actually reached the helots unrest, the subordinate class, because now there's such a big shift in population that these guys are like, we're just going to keep on revolting. Which further leads to political instability. So Sparta's political system of the dual monarchy, right? Having internal conflicts, like factional disputes, political. Yeah, unity. it's kind of okay. yeah, and, and just getting weaker and weaker and weaker until they finally get um, they kind of just be incorporated into the Roman Empire in 146 BC, as does all of Greece. So that's that. Um, fun fact before we go, you know, the famous Helen of Troy, whose mm-hmm. face launched a thousand ships. She was actually from Sparta. Historians now believe that Helen of Troy was actually Spartan. So well, it was the Spartan king. That's the ancient, ancient Sparta. Yeah. They were in that. Yeah. So da da. Anyway, there, there you go. All right, guys, as always, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We do appreciate it. If you want to shoot us an email or anything, you can always find us at www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com. We are always there to answer any of your questions. And thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Stay safe, everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th-century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th-century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.